This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. Bonus episode for y'all this week. It is our preview episode of the Big Ten as we welcome back the Northeastern, most uh, predominantly most east, more Northeastern conference. Can't speak, apparently. Uh, it is a long time coming. The Big Ten has had a very uh, interesting offseason. Uh, if you didn't follow along, I'll catch up to speed in about 30 seconds here. Uh, they decided to not play the season after six days after announcing their 2020 conference schedule. They were the forefront uh, leaders in going to a conference-only schedule. Six days later, they decide, hey, actually, too risky, not going to play a season in 2020. And uh, then as soon as all the other conferences were able to get, except for the Pac-12, who followed suit, they were able to get other uh, games going. The Big Ten said, oh, just kidding, we can we can make this happen. So we have a very abbreviated season for the Big Ten but it just feels finally right to to have some of the big powerhouses back, some of the names you're used to seeing in the rankings every week. So super excited to break it all down for you. We're going to go through each team one by one and talk about uh, what we think is going to happen for them in this short 2020 season. But before we get into that, I need to introduce my co-host. I am Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm I'm getting better. I'm getting better. We hit on it uh, in our previous uh, breakdown of this prior week. You know, we were both struggling a little bit, obviously, uh, coming off this tough weekend, but excited because, like you hit on, the Big Ten's back, finally. Thank thank, thank goodness they're back because, you know, it just feels right. It, it, and, it, you know, I've been asking you, I feel like the last three or four weeks, all right, are we doing our Big Ten preview? Are we doing our Big Ten preview? And you're like, nope, four weeks out, three weeks out, two weeks out. So just an- anticipating this, uh, this return because, you know, as – much as they've been ridiculed maybe in the prior five, six years for not having a deep conference or the best conference, they still have a great conference with a lot of prestige. The love, the rivalries they've got going there. And I think this year, um, I think this year that they're going to take over that top conference uh, award. Um, not that there is a, as an award, but I think Ohio State's going to lead that charge. So excited to get into it, excited to preview this and, even though we got some uh, some clunkers here in the first week, excited to see those teams, and I think we're in for a. I think it's going to be a fun weekend, regardless of the competition or lack thereof, because you know these these teams had five, six extra weeks to to get prepared. So I think we're going to see a good product on the field, and I'm I, I can't wait. Well, if anything, it gives us more football, and that makes us all winners. So I'm happy to have them back, even though uh, some of their teams I, I tend to root against. No offense, uh, Miss Deb, uh, but I hate the uh, Ohio State Bucks. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, uh, other than that, I do enjoy watching Big Ten football. Different brand of football than we've been watching. Uh, you know, well, I say that, we'll see. Usually the SEC is your gritty defenses and your your Big t- 12 is your teams that uh, can score at will. But it looks like everybody's morphing towards that. So I'm excited to see the picture of how the Big Ten looks this year. And I will also say that uh, it potentially could be a couple rough few weeks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and let you guys know that if you're a fan of a Big Ten team, go ahead and prepare your hearts because if you haven't been watching other uh, sports or, or namely other college football teams, the first first couple games back have been uh, a little bit rough. A little bit rough. So uh, Now granted, they have had a much longer time to get ready, so perhaps I'm speaking a little bit too soon. It wasn't like these teams that only had a few weeks. The Big Ten has had a fairly sizable uh, off season here with their false start to start the season. So uh, excited to get into it. It's going to be a fun couple months here, welcoming back them, and then eventually the Pac-12. So we'll have Pac-12 preview as well. And uh, a little a spoiler alert: we might think that one of these teams could uh, could make the playoffs if we haven't talked about it enough in our previous episodes. Uh, stay patient with us. We are using prep from before the pandemic, not before the pandemic, but before the season shut down and a ton of things happen. Just know. If you haven't been keeping up with it, a lot of players have opted out uh, for the draft or otherwise. So just know that we might, you know, we're going to try not to do that. Obviously, the bigger names will know. But if there's a name thrown out that uh, is is no longer playing this season, stay patient with us uh, and, and we'll try to do our best. I do have one question, Pierce. As I was doing my prep, I thought to myself, I, I think so. I think that you have a fairly strong argument for here. Is this the conference 
that though you think might be the best this season, or in general, maybe they've surpassed the SEC to talk about in generalities, but do you think this is potentially the conference that has the most sizable gap from the top team to the bottom team? In normal years, probably so. Not this year. Well, okay, let me take that back. There could be, you know, because I do think the, the, in my opinion, the way things have sh- shaken up this entire season, the last five weeks, I think Ohio State is my team to uh, to win it all. So um, we'll see. I got to crunch some numbers yeah, so a little bit more. That's the top, but, but what about the, the very bottom? Well, Rutgers? And, and I can't I can't speak on Rutgers. To, I mean, you don't know, especially because of the you don't have the out of conference games. You know, there's not a chance for the Vanderbilts and the SEC or. You know, um, the Syracuses of the ACC, the Rutgers of the Big Ten to get a couple wins under their belt. So I think it'll be uh, skewed a little bit because there there aren't those out of conference games. That being said, I think uh, I think the middle of the pack in this conference is where this conference will shine. I think you're going to see uh, the Michigan States, the Michigans in the world. While they won't be in that upper echelon, I think they'll be a little bit more consistent than maybe middle of the pack in the SEC, Big Ten, and ACC, where you're seeing this massive drop off after the first, uh, you know, the top one, maybe two teams. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's an argument argument to be made on both sides, but I I, I think this. Uh, I think this team is a, a from top to bottom as a whole is is going to be a little bit better, more consistent than uh, than the other three, four. You know, obviously, without the Pac-12, but other three uh, major conferences. Well, let's start with that team that has been the basement of the conference for so long, and that is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They've got a first-year head coach. Now, let me rephrase that. They have a first-year head coach, but this is his second time coaching the Scarlet Knights. He was first with Rutgers in 2000 uh, when he was only 34 years old. Greg Schiano is who I'm talking about, of course. Uh, he was the youngest coach in football at the time, fun fact. I learned that in my prep. Didn't know that. But uh, hey, look at that. And uh, he uh, did 11 years there at Rutgers. And they actually were able to make uh, a couple bowls. It took them five years to get there, but they were able to do it. They did finish ranked finally in his, I believe it was his last year, or maybe it wasn't. But anyways, he did make the jump then to Tampa Bay, tried to to uh, make it in the pros for the, with the Bucks, and uh, that didn't end up working. Most recently, he was with Ohio State. Thought he was potentially going to get hired over to uh, Tennessee, but uh, ends up back at Rutgers. So this is his second go around, and they're hoping that this is the magic formula, that this is the guy for them. He had the he had the right formula. He was going towards the right thing at Rutgers uh, the first time around, but this is just one of those, I would say, in your Power Five conferences, and again. Maybe you have an argument with me, Pierce, but Power Five conferences, this is the worst job in college football. I think that this is a – and maybe not always. Maybe if you put it pound for pound and you maybe you could point to a different one. But right now with what he has ahead of him to try to get this team back to relevance is an uphill battle, a very, very big uphill battle to me. And, and that's partly because they do play in such a good conference – it's not like the ACC is a perfect example right now. We're seeing teams that historically are not good football teams do better because you've got Clemson, who's so tippy top. Miami's been down for a while. Florida State's really down. Those are your big, you know, schools. Georgia Tech's, you know, in a transition period. So you've got a lot of these schools who haven't been able to really be good in the ACC, able to compete because the middle of the conference is so iffy. Versus in the Big Ten, to your point, the middle of the conference, maybe the Big Ten, the Big few schools are not as good as the SECs and the the Clemsons of the world but and there's an argument there but the middle of the conference is they're so chasing just just to get to the middle tier that they have a really big uphill battle so it's going to be hard for uh Chiano there to build back the Rutgers program but he was able to he has had success so I'm, I'm interested to see what he does here uh and I think that if you're a Rutgers fan your number one bet is just to try to not finish winless and if you can, maybe not be the bottom of the conference. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts here on this Rutgers team in the 2020 season? Yeah, going back to what you said, uh, the question you posed, uh, I, I don't think it – I there's an argument to, me, argument to be made that this is the uh, toughest job in the Power Five conferences. That being said, they don't have quite the restrictions that like a Vandy does. Um, and, and the simple fact that – the Shiano man, Greg Shiano is going back and he had success makes you think that there's some hope there where, you know, some coaches that have some, uh, uh, you know, chance to, to move up through the ranks that are getting maybe their f- first head coaching job, go to, you know, select few programs and you just go, Oh man, like 
I mean, even if they catch lightning in a bottle, I don't know if he can really parlay this into something else. So it's a, it's an odd scenario. I think it's a, it's the perfect hire for Rutgers. Uh, great fit for Shiano, obviously having been there and, and really brought that program to a, a level of uh, you know, success that they had never seen. Um, so, yeah, there's a chance, and, and they will be better than last year. They will. They they are 32nd actually, uh, according to uh, you know the experience chart. They do bring back good talent, um, or or you know I should say the remaining talent from last year. They didn't lose too many guys. Um, you know, Shiano did say that uh, he thought the Big Ten. You know, some of his linebackers could be the best in the Big Ten. So while this team is much better, not having those conference or those out of conference games are gonna hurt them. So while they'll be better, they won't min- win many games. I think one would be a uh, a good building block for Shiano uh, going into next year. Perhaps I don't know if they actually play this team. I was about to say perhaps they could beat this next team uh, really quickly. Oh, they do! It's the last game of the season. Perhaps Pierce they could get that win at the end of the season versus the Maryland Terrapins. Mike Loxley, he is plucked off of the Nick Saban coaching tree, and uh, this is year two for him. They finished pretty poorly last year. They only finished 3-9, and nine, but, I mean, seven straight losses, not great. But at the same time, they've had three different head coaches in five years, and they've been severely limited as far as depth goes. They had a really good, for, for Maryland purposes, they had a really good recruiting class this last year. Now, granted, you would have hoped to get, you know, all of the normalcy of a regular offseason season. If you were Maryland, now, you know, I said at the top, maybe perhaps these teams really, really are going gonna to see a substantially different start for these team seasons uh, based off of the fact that they got more time in the fall to kind of ramp up to this. But that being said, you know, if you're Maryland, you're, it's going to be better, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be uh, all that uh, that they need to be in the middle of the pack to break through. I put them in the bottom tier of this pack. Um, really quickly on their schedule with the 2020 season, they're going to get Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, which I believe, actually, I'm sorry, that was Rutgers. <laughs> Maryland is going to get uh, the same, though, because they play over in that conference, and that just is going to be hard to break through to potentially do any damage to that division. Uh, you know, you could maybe make an argument for an IU win. Uh, you know, you, you would like to think you can probably beat Rutgers, but, you know, I think that you're finishing at the second or third worst team in the Big Ten East. Um, you know, it's it's going to get better, and I do think there's something to be said, and certainly they're not all amazing, but there's something to be said about coaches that come from the Nick Saban school of thought. So you made a pretty good hire, I think, in Mike Loxley. You're going to have to give it time to develop Unfortunately, you play in in one of the heaviest hitting divisions in college football. So it's just going to take some time. But they're, they're certainly chipping away Pierce at being able to uh, jump into relevancy in the Big Ten. I think they'll get there. But given another few years, this year's not going to be your year, with especially with all the weirdness uh, that is. Now, could they end up being Arkansas? Hey, I didn't think Arkansas would be Arkansas this year. So they could certainly shock the world. But uh, I, I, I like I said, I see them fish, finishing maybe, uh, you know, what what are there seven teams in their division so six out of seven yeah this is gonna be you know it's interesting this team uh you know had a couple of good wins last year um they they don't return as much as you would you would like or hope to see that being said they they are going to bring back an experienced offensive line and an improved qb play uh, obviously they brought in talia tagovailoa um don't expect him to be the starter but you know we've seen it uh We've seen it at many programs over the past few years. You've got to have talent in there to push the the talent at, at in the number one spot. The the more talent, the more uh, you know competition, the better. So I think that only helps. Obviously, you you hit the nail on the head with uh, Loxley coming back um, in year two. Usually, that's when you see a big jump. Um, with this uh, uncertain situation this season, you know, coming in with the lack of practicing, that you know, obviously they have had five, six weeks now to really get prepared. But um, yeah, I think this team maybe knocks off one one opponent or two. I I don't see them getting much more than that, and I do. Uh, I see them fighting to try and get to that fifth spot in uh, the East. Uh, 
it's going to be close. I think the fifth and sixth spot in the East is where they're going to end up. So um, interested to watch this team, though. There's kind of a wild card, kind of a team that I think of uh, comparable to maybe an NC State in the ACC. Like, you just don't know. Hey, now, they're... NC State's doing okay this well, year. Well, exactly. And, and and I pegged them as somebody that I, I, I thought could improve, but I thought they were a year or two away. Um, so we'll see. Maybe Maryland uh, catches lightning in the bottle and wins a few more games than we expect. We shall see the team that they play first in the season, Pierce. They play them this weekend is the Northwestern Wildcats. They also finished the season just three and nine, which was the worst showing for Pat Fitzgerald's team since he took over 14 years ago. Uh, and, and that's unusual for Northwestern. They're usually a team who we've seen them on game day as a potential upset to the big dogs in the Big Ten. So not that they're necessarily chomping at the bit, or not chomping at the bit, but knocking down doors to potentially get in the playoffs, but they're always decent. So last year was really, really a tough year for Northwestern, and that is largely in part to the offense. Uh, they ranked 126th in scoring and 128th in passing touchdowns. And last in yards per pass attempt last year. Uh, in case you guys were wondering what those numbers are out of, it's 130. So not good at all. You're finishing basically last in all three of those uh, offensive statistics. Uh, defensively, it was okay. They were fine. Um, and so I'm not 100% up to speed with who's returning or who opted out. But certainly, if they do have a fair amount of of uh, those those defensive players from last season returning, then I do like their chances potentially. That being said, they're gonna they're gonna have to figure it out at quarterback, which was hard for them last season. Uh, like you said, with those stats that I just uh, you know read off to you, new new play caller Mike Bajakian. I don't think I'm saying that right. Bajakian. I don't no know how to idea. say his name. It's a lot of A's and J's and K's. So uh, they got a new guy on uh, calling plays for them there in uh, in Chicago, Chicago land. Uh, so uh, you know, hey, it, it could get better for them. I, I certainly think it potentially could. Um, you know, you play in the the West, which is a little bit more of a down division if you believe the rhetoric. So you know, hey, maybe they do better this year. Uh, they certainly won't be worst, I believe, in the Big Ten, but but maybe worst in the West. Um, you know, maybe second. Uh, behind only Illinois, in my opinion. So this is an interesting team. Um, this is a team that I think could shock some people this year. Yes, they struggled last year mightily, um, but this year they returned 19 starters. They're second best uh, from the experience chart standpoint. They're returning a lot. 19 starters is incredible. They also add veteran QB Peyton Ramsey, a transfer from Indy. Um who led Indiana to a uh, bowl win last year. So that's that's an increase. Um, you look at the D allowed just 336 yards, uh, 25th in, in, in football last, last year, and they have nine starters back as well. So I think this team has a chance to shock some people. I think uh, you could get bogged down in what they did last year. They have a stalwart at linebacker in Patty Fisher, uh, a, a, a projected first-teamer in Rayshon Slater, uh, offensive line, um, you know, and that – along with the experience that they bring back, I think this team has a chance. I, I, I've got them pegged more fourth in the West, uh, but they certainly, you never know, Northwestern, when you get them on that field, uh, when you get them on that home field, it, it just seems like it plays very slow, and that's where some upsets happen. So, interested to see how this Northwestern team progresses throughout the season. The Purdue Boilermakers made headlines this week. Jeff Brom, head coach Jeff Brom, has tested positive for the coronavirus. We obviously are sending our well wishes in hopes that he gets better. Not a false positive like uh, Nick Saban last week. Uh, he does, in fact, have it, uh, and I don't believe he's having severe symptoms, but his uh, Brian Brom will be replacing him this week in preparation and the game on the sidelines as they get ready to take on Iowa. Um, it was uh, not a great year for them last year. They finished 4-8. and eight. It was only a couple years ago, Pierce, if you remember that we were watching them upset number two, at the time, number two, Ohio State. Uh, and since then, they've gone six and 12. So it's been a little bit of a, not a, it's been an extended letdown for the Boilermakers. That being said, uh, you know, you got to think that you potentially are getting better. A lot of what happened last year was they had some pretty key injuries uh, and it really devastated them depth-wise, especially defensively. They were near the bottom of the Big Ten in most categories defensively. So 
you know, there's a lot of optimism there. Um, I think that you got some of those younger guys who grew up a little bit, uh, and you get some of those key people back. Hopefully, uh, they're able to stay healthy. And I think that the, it's looking up for Purdue. I, I do like them to make a substantial leap from where they were at last season, if only because of the fact that it was pretty bad. Uh, you know, I don't think they're necessarily going to shock the world. I don't see them necessarily being the top dog, but I could see them at number three uh, in the SEC, or not the SEC, the Big Ten West, potentially. Uh, you know, they certainly get their, they get uh, Iowa to start the season, then Illinois. So those are two very winnable games uh, before they get into some of the meat. So uh, very favorable schedule for the Purdue Boilermakers. And like I said, I like them uh, towards the top part of their division. Interesting, interesting. This uh, Purdue team went through uh, a tumultuous season last year in regards to the injury bug. Um, Obviously losing their QB, their All-American wide receiver, who I'll get to more here in a second. You know, they lost two top defensive players uh, to injury early on in the season. They bring back uh, a decent amount of talent. They're 55th uh, from an experience standpoint returning, um, as well as getting those injured players back. You know, it's gonna it's gonna come down to decent QB play. Um, but if they've got someone that can spread the ball around, this team has all American wide receiver potential. You got Rondell Moore, everyone knows of him, dynamic receiver. Obviously got injured last year. Excited to see him come back. Hopefully he can have a, a very productive year. And then on the other side, they have uh, they have David Bell, another receiver who uh, is projected to be on the second team, uh, all Big Ten. So you look at that, accompanied with some other players that they have uh, and returning a decent bit. You know, this is a team that's interesting. I, I, I think this team uh, would have made a bowl had they had the normal 12-game season, but I kind of in this tougher slate of uh, of games that they've got coming up um, in the seven game Big Ten schedule, I, I don't see many opportunities for them to get more than two two or three wins. I have them finishing uh, sixth in the uh, west side of the uh, Big Ten. Well, let's see what you think about the Indiana Hoosiers, fresh off one of their most successful seasons, their first eight-win season in 26 years. In a normal year, Pierce, they'd be looking to go back-to-back bowls for the first time since 1988. Obviously, it's a weird year. Everyone's eligible for a bowl. Who really knows what that looks like? But nonetheless, really good year for them, and this is potentially going to be even better for them if everybody's able to stay healthy. They did have uh, some, some injuries and some issues at quarterback last year. They ended the season with a loss to Tennessee. So uh, even though they were pretty successful, they were able. They're the the last thing that they have in their mind is getting walloped by Tennessee. Uh, so we'll see what the, the Hoosiers look like in 2020. They start off with Penn State, so that's going to be a tough challenge for them right off the bat. Uh, they were set to start off with Wisconsin, which I was really looking forward to coming into the season because I thought, hey, you know, let's see shock the world potentially. Um, but that game got moved to. This early December, they will start off with Penn State, which, you know, doesn't necessarily set them up for success. But then when I'm looking at the middle of their schedule, they could win every single one until they play, you know, their next three and then play Ohio State uh, November 21st. So it's a weird year for Indiana, but that being said, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to continue to build in a season like this off of a really uh, good season they had last year. And they did have some people transfer, unfortunately, for them. But that being said, I think the Hoosiers could be looking at, uh, you know, a, a pretty successful season, all that said and done. It's just unfortunate that they play in the Big Ten East, which is full of heavy hitters. So, you know, I, I like them no greater than than f- maybe four in the uh, Big Ten East. Uh, but but I, I do think the Hoosiers will build off the success from last year. And again, if they can just stay healthy at quarterback, it's, it's the sky's the limit. I like that. I, I'm with you. I think fourth in the uh, in the West or in East is uh, is uh, is a likely spot for them. Uh, they played really well last season, and in a lot of people's minds, out overperformed or outperformed uh, their expectations. Um, really, just a fourth quarter away from you know ha- having a nine win season um, and their first uh, bowl game win since 1991. I think they could get to that this year. They do. Uh, they don't bring back as many uh, many guys as they did last year. However, you look at the and from a, a size and speed and talent standpoint on defense, they they have the experience coming back and they have the skill uh, um, on that defense side of the ball. Obviously, they have uh, Jerome Johnson at, on the D line, who's very capable there. Um, and then you look at on the offensive side of the ball, and, and they bring back Stevie Scott, uh, who's pegged as a first teamer in the Big Ten this year, as well as. Uh, Wap Fillior, uh, wide receiver. I hope I pronounced that last name right, but Wap 
pretty pretty freaking cool name if you ask me. Wap Wap failure, uh, wide receiver. So they're gonna have some weapons, um, you know, at the skill positions there. So if uh, if the quarterback, uh, I, I believe his name is Phoenix, if he can uh, come in there and, and distribute the ball, I think this team has a chance to break through and you know, have a pretty successful season and maybe upset a, a team or two here and there. But again, I think their uh, I think their ceiling is about fourth in the big in the Big Ten East side. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, Pierce, might be a large reason, if you believe the folklore, for why the Big Ten was even able to get back on the field. They were the loudest and most vocal team that was dissenting the decision by the Big Ten officials to halt the season and and not play in 2020, or at least try to push it to spring. Uh, Scott Frost absolutely said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. We will play football in Nebraska with or without the Big Ten, and the Big Ten said, okay, well, then you, you can leave. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, all of that aside, let's talk about the Cornhuskers' X's and O's. Um, Scott Frost is going into his fourth year, and this is probably his youngest team. 70% of the roster peers are underclassmen. That is crazy, crazy to think about. Um, so, you know, you don't, you don't like that necessarily, but that being said, I like the future. I, like, I think it's got some major upside. I think if right now if you're buying teams, eh, there's no better team to get on the ground floor with if you're buying stock in teams within this team. Now, granted, you could have said that a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I just think that Scott Frost, this process will work. It's just probably one of the hardest rebuilding jobs in college football. And in that being said, he's really failed to produce anything that would be of relevance or successful for Nebraska Cornhuskers, especially a historically, you know, or has his vaunted history like the Cornhuskers do in football. So, you know, I don't know. This season's going to be hard for them. I want to stand up and say thank you, Scott Frost and Nebraska Cornhuskers for helping us to even have Big Ten football. Um, but I just don't like your chances this year I like I said I think that if you're looking at the next couple years I think that you give them a lot of upside there if they can stay healthy and keep everybody intact and not have a bunch of transfers and stuff but uh you know they start the season with Ohio State don't like that then Wisconsin don't like that Northwestern don't like that Penn State don't like that Illinois takes them until week five to finally get a team that I think okay they can beat this team I, I, I just feel for Northwestern uh, or not Northwestern, sorry, Nebraska, and I just don't think it's going to be good for them, and I unfortunately probably have them finishing it second to worst in their uh, division of the conference. Yeah, you hit on it. The The young, the youth on this team is significant. They're just not going to have many backups that are ready to come in and compete at a high level. Obviously, it, it, goes, it boils down to, are they going to give Scott Frost enough time? I, expe- I expect and assume they will. Um, you know, this isn't something that you can you can take over and turn things around in just two years. He he's bringing in his, his guys, the talent that he thinks they need, building something up to to fit his system. I think they will eventually get there. Um, you know, th- there is there are some promising things. They do return 15 starters from last year, um, so 49th from an experience standpoint in the country. Uh, you know, I thought this team would be a little bit more improved last year, and they just weren't quite as what I thought. I, didn't, I thought they'd get to a level that was a little higher. Therefore, um, that along with the ridiculously tough schedule that you hit on, um, it's going to be tough for them. It, re- it really is. They do have some good players. Um, you know, you got Dedrick Mills on the off the side of the ball at running back, um, as well as Wandell Robinson at wide out. So they've got some weapons. Um, and, and then you accompany that, uh, love this name, uh, on the DB front for, uh, Nebraska DiCaprio Boodle, um, is another name to keep an eye on as well as Jojo domain. Um, you know, and, and a handful of others, it's just going to be about, can this team get an upset or two against those tough opponents? And I just don't see them doing that. It's going to be a tough season for them, but they'll gain a lot of experience from playing those teams and, uh, having this tough of a schedule and, you know, look to, to maybe a year down the road and they could, they could make some noise. Let's jump to the Iowa Hawkeyes, Pierce. Their head coach, Kirk Ferentz, 65 years old at the start of this season. That is crazy. That being said, the old ball coach is rolling in Iowa. He uh, just finished a five-year stretch with the Hawkeyes program that had 47 victories. They went 10-3 and last season. It was the sixth double-digit win season under Ferentz. 
they have a lot of people coming back. Uh, that's going to be good news for them. Again, not up to date with all of their opt-outs, but if I'm looking at everything correct, they've got some big names here. They did lose uh, some significant pieces as well, Nate Stanley being the biggest one. That was their quarterback who was perfect in bowl games and also perfect against uh, his uh, side of the division, uh, some of those bigger schools. Uh, they also have a couple others. I'm seeing Tristan Wirfs and A.J. Epinesa and defensive back Geno Stone. So all of those declared early for the 2020 draft. Ferenc is used to this, though. You know, when you've got a team that's rolling, you're expecting early departures from both your coaching tree and also your players. So he's used to replacing things. If he can find somebody at quarterback, I really like their chances, especially since whoever is their quarterback, uh, which I'm not up to date with that, whoever is their quarterback, Pierce, uh, is going to have some dudes to throw to. So that is going to be good news for him. Uh, and in this Iowa Hawkeyes team, I really, really like their chances in the Big Ten West, if only because of the fact that in a weird season like this, it helps to have a lot of people coming back and not breaking in new people. So I really like them to finish in, you know, the the, the number two or three spot here. Uh, but I, I, w- I would go ahead and mark them in at p- uh, probably the number three spot, actually. Because I don't know if they get through Wisconsin and Minnesota. So I would put them at the number three spot there in the, the Big Ten West. So this team uh, certainly benefits from playing uh, in the weaker side of the Big Ten. That being said... Yeah, they do bring back a handful of guys. I have them at 82 on my experience chart. I, I believe they bring back 13 or 14 starters. I don't know if you have the official number there. I don't. Losing Stanley obviously is a massive uh, undertaking to replace him. That being said, you can always expect this team to be well coached. They play with a brand of football that allows them to be competitive or at least be in the game until late, and, and they have this, this knack for pulling some of those games off, and uh, I think that's – that it's, a, it's an important thing to have in all honesty. And you look at it and obviously they're going to have to play Ohio state and Penn state. And, and that's pretty tough. Um, but if you look at it, they are capable of beating Wisconsin. They are um, Wisconsin. Ha- it, I don't think will be quite as they certainly can get there. We'll, we'll touch on them more here in a minute, but you know, I think they're more susceptible this year than, than in the prior three years. So, this Iowa team will be interesting to watch if they can uh, if they can somehow you know win out going into that final game with Wisconsin. It could be a, a fun showdown between those two teams. All right, it's time to talk about a team who I have gathered some knowledge of os- through osmosis uh, around the workplace. I work with two guys who happen to be very big Michigan Wolverines fans. And if there's a team, Pierce, that I don't think has a ton of upside, it's this team. Now, now, granted, maybe I'm a fool for saying that, and I would have been offloading stock from them for, for years because I just don't see it. They're a very historic program. They're very, uh, you know, they're always in conversation. They're never, You're never going to see them start a season not dropped, not ranked in the top 25 with how big of a brand and how big of a name this is and a player they are in the college football landscape. But that being said, it's been, it's been rough. It's been a rough situation for the Wolverines. And it doesn't help that their most hated rivals, Ohio State, are so, so good and have been for a while. Harbaugh, you know, he, he they thought he was going to be the guy. But the one of the things that they've really struggled with is getting the right person at quarterback. They thought maybe the transfer quarterback, Shea Patterson, was going to be the answer, and he wasn't. They thought they were potentially going to have their pick this season between Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton, and Dylan McCaffrey decides to transfer, so they're stuck with Joe Milton. Now, who knows? That could end up being okay, um, but I know that the two guys, aforementioned guys that I was talking about that are big Wolverines fans, were really, really looking forward to and hoping to see Dylan McCaffrey. So take that for what you will uh, for people that are close to the program. Uh, that being said, you know, they, they, they certainly have the dudes and it's like, they, they're going to recruit well. This team's going to recruit well. It's just a matter of getting the right pieces at the right time. And it seems like this team is always struggling with, we have this piece, but we don't have this piece. We've got this guy, but we don't have this guy. Uh, we've got this target. We don't have this, you know, key player. So that's, that's been hard for them. I don't know much about Joe Milton. Maybe you can shed some light here, Pierce, on Joe Milton. Uh, The Wolverines, like I said, they're going to always have to play Ohio State. And they're always going to have to play Penn State. And sometimes when, now granted, I don't think they're going to be good this year, but they always are going to have to play Michigan State, which is tough for them. You know, I I think that they finish three and, and they're used to finishing at three in that division. And it's going to be another year where they, they go not quite what we wanted, but, you know, good enough to retain Harbaugh's job, but not good enough to satisfy the fans. And, and like I said, if there's a team that I'm selling stock on just because I don't think that 
they've proven to me that they can get it done with the personnel they've got. It's it's the Michigan Wolverines, unfortunately. So it, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, you said the you said it best. Um, obviously, this team's always going to have dudes. They recruit at a higher level than most everybody in this conference uh, outside of Ohio State and Penn State. That being said, you look at last year, and last year, obviously, they were the sexy team to win um, the Big Ten. Uh, a trendy pick because they hadn't won it in so many years. They had uh, the 43rd most experienced team returning last year, and they couldn't even come close to getting it done. They now return. They now have the 130th experience, most experienced team coming back. That is not very good. I think that's eight, seven or eight players returning. Oh, and oh, by the way, you hit the nail on the head. McCaffrey's gone, as well as uh, Nico Collins was just ruled out as well, their star receiver, due to the fact that he has already signed and engaged with an agent. So, you know, they've had some blows there. I wouldn't be surprised surprised in the slightest to see this team uh, finish fourth in the East uh, behind Indiana. I think you're looking at two losses, like you said, to Penn State and Ohio State, which they have to play every year. That's no... Uh, that's no easy ask for them. And then I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, them get upset once or twice. So I think this team, and, and if that's the case, I'll go ahead and say it. I think uh, this will be Harbaugh's last year at Michigan. And um, it's a shame because it looked like it was so promising going into last Even year. Even in 2020 with how weird it is. You know, I, I, it's, it's interesting to see how college football they handles. They give him a lifetime contract. Well, but that's not really how people think now. It's not. I, the not one in thing 2020. That, the one I'll argue with you. Not in 2020. The one thing that's helping him is where do you go from here? It's not the sexiest job in the world. It's, um, you know, I think it is, but, you know, it's not to a lot of other people. And, you know, they, they have been known to be down, you know, to underperform. And that's they've got that stigma around them. So I don't think they're going to be able to go away and hire someone from another school and hire them away. That's a big name coach. It's and then it comes down to hitting lightning and you know catching lightning in a bottle and I just that's a daunting task I will say especially when you just you know they haven't had success in that the the prior four or five head coaching changes they their uh, cross conference uh, opponent is Wisconsin so not just kind of prove your point and they can beat Wisconsin but it's not great they can also lose by uh, fourteen and twenty one to to Wisconsin yeah I, I, to your point the whole uh, this is also why I don't think Harbaugh gets fired they they really love him. They don't think it's his fault. They always find excuses for him. But also, I don't think a lot of teams are going to fire their coaches after this year, especially because right now with with how weird it all is, you really want stability and, and players to, especially Pierce too, since you can't do traditional recruiting. If you bring in a new guy, he doesn't have any prior contact with these recruits, at least uh, for this next class. At least Harbaugh has had FaceTime with these people who are getting recruited right now and will be signing um, time the spring. So at least they are a little bit familiar with Harbaugh. If you bring in a new guy, you, you don't even have the time to get these people on campus uh, and to go visit these these kids. So, it, it, yeah, I, I don't think in 2020, but I, I don't put it past potentially 2021. I think 2021 could be the year for sure. So It's just interesting. Let me pose this question to you. Um, entering this season, was there another coach that you could – definitively say was on the hot seat more so than Harbaugh? Muschamp. I would put Muschamp because we, we were still even talking about, uh, you know, him getting fired up until last last week's win. I, I would definitely say Muschamp. Um, but but the, he's I, I see not expected point. to fully win the SEC every year. Where Like that yeah. last year, that was their chance to, to upset Ohio State and to win with the talent they had as well as Shea Patterson. He's fallen flat five consecutive years. How much longer are they going to give this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I would it's put... interesting. Again, because of the fact that he graduated from Michigan and they, they really, truly believe in him. Um, and again, they find so much excuses for him. I, you could, I think you could potentially have put Tom Herman on at least as much of a hot seat, if not a hotter seat, uh, than Harbaugh. So, you know, I, I see what you're saying, and I don't think, from an outsider's perspective, I'm like, I don't know why they're giving this guy such a long leash, and I do think they're starting to wear thin. But again, when I tell you that I work with two people who are Michigan people, they don't think it's Harbaugh. They do not. They think he's a good recruiter. They think that he's a good coach. They just, they're like, but he hasn't had his quarterback. Okay, but like, how many times can you say that? when On the flip side, you've got you know, heck, look at Dan Mullen. He was able to turn Dak Prescott at, you know, Cal College, Mississippi into a a, a true NFL-worthy quarterback. 
So, it, you know, at some point you got to stop making excuses, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. We both like Michigan overall, but not to, to finish well in their conference. The Minnesota Golden Golfers. P.J. Fleck, Pierce. P.J. Fleck is a guy who got a lot of Snickers when he got hired to Michigan, uh, Michigan, Minnesota. He had the whole row the boat mantra. And uh, you know what? It's uh, it's working for him. It is working for him. They finished last season 11-2 and with wins over number 5 Penn State and number 9 Auburn. The first time that the Golden Gophers had won more than 10 games since 1904 when quite literally they were playing high school teams. So take that for what you will. Uh, PJ's overall success, it did produce him a raise and a contract extension through 2026. Go get your money, PJ. Uh, you know, I, I really think that they've really got something going in Minnesota, which is saying something because I don't think that's necessarily a sexy school to go to. Um, and I think that they are, you know, very much knocking on the door of, of beating Wisconsin this year to potentially, uh, you know, finish first in their conference. I really, like I said, I, I, this is another team that I'm buying. Uh, I'm buying Stockton for sure. So I like the Golden Gophers uh, to finish pretty good uh, in this season for the Big Ten. Yeah, I love this team a lot. The the interesting thing about this team entering this season is they were able to kind of slip by last season. They had a few nail-biting wins. Uh, they also lost a, a couple crummy games that they would have expected to win that prevented them from winning the outright West, uh, West Conference title or Western title um, on the Big Ten side. Tanner Morgan coming back is huge. They're, they've got one of the most experienced offensive lines uh, returning in the Big Ten. They've got 29. They're ranked 29th in experience coming back. That's incredibly important. Uh, I think that's 16 or 17 starters coming back. I fully expect this team to be right in the in the thick of things. I I, I would I wanted to put this team at the top of the West. Um, that being said, I'm I, I'm hesitant because this team now has the bullseye on their back. And that's a totally different scenario than being, uh, you know, counted out or, 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 or in the underdog role. So excited to see this team. I'd say this is maybe the most excited team I am to watch uh, moving forward in this Big Ten season. Another team, Pierce, that is paying off with the, the patience that they had and, and the hire that they got, the Fighting Illini, University of Illinois. Uh, they had two pretty historic games for the, the uh, program last year. Upsets over Wisconsin and Michigan State. They beat the number six Badgers as a 31-point underdog, beating them 24-21 to on a last-second field goal. And then later on, they went on, or three weeks later, I should say, they fell behind by 25 points in the first half to Michigan State, but ended up coming back 37-31. to It was a bowl-clinching win and the biggest comeback in school history. Lovey Smith uh, was quoted as saying that they had 20 or 25. They had 15 freshmen starting three years ago coming into the 2020 campaign. They are seniors. You gotta like that when you've got a lot of experience. People who really have been through the fight, they had to deal with all of the down years and they came to Illinois for a chance and now they're leaving as potential contenders. Um, I, I really think that these guys could shock the world a couple times this year. Now, it's hard at first. They start off with Wisconsin, uh, Purdue, and Minnesota, who I think is the heaviest hitters over on their side of the conference. They also do pull Ohio State from the other side, but I, I think that they could be in to shock a couple people due to that veteran leadership and uh, and both at coaching and on the field. I, I really do think there's upside to this Finding Illini program this year. Yeah, I, you you took most of my talking points, to be honest with you. They... Uh, they brought in some good transfers. They they need to do that, you know, to be able to be competitive because they do have a young team. You look at the last three years, uh, they were 85th in experience. Uh, Lovey's first year, 124th is second, and last year was 100th uh, from an experience standpoint. This year they come back, they come in at 31. So they are returning a lot of starters, a lot of a lot of key players, as well as bringing in some players. This is a this is an interesting one. Um, some of the teams that they upset last year, uh, notably Wisconsin. I don't think we'll. I think they'll be a little bit more prepared. That being said, I think this. Uh, I think this ought to be Lovey's best team that he's had. He has said the last three years he was. They were very young. They're more experienced this year. Wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, catch a couple few or a few upsets as well. Most of the time, Pierce, when we're talking about first year head coaches, uh, new to the program, head coaches. We're saying, oh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. They got to build the program back. They got to get the right people in the roster. But that's not the case here for Mel Tucker at Michigan State. 
Mark D'Antonio didn't leave on bad accords. He just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done coaching. So he didn't. he's not inheriting a broken program by any stretch of the imagination. It's going to be hard for him. He is trying to, uh, you know, have success after the winningest coach in Spartan history. Um, that being said, if there's any guy who, I, it was a weird hire, but I do think this guy could do it. I think Mel Tucker, and we've seen him firsthand. He was at uh, Georgia when they nearly won the national championship. He's uh coached for Ohio State under Jim Trestle and Alabama under Nick Saban. So he's got he's been around rarefied air and I do think that uh, you give it a couple years he's going to be a pretty good hire. It was like I said it was a weird hire. He came after one year at Colorado. People really soured on that uh, that him leaving after only one year at Colorado and it happened kind of quickly but um you know weird offseason not being able to you have to install your your defensive and offensive schemes through zoom over summer but they have had more of an extended offseason so that's good for them uh, that being said they are in a pretty pretty tough division or uh, yeah division I don't necessarily see them having a ton of success but I, I do like them to uh, probably mm, finish fourth in the f- yeah probably I could see them even potentially maybe depending on how the situation is at Michigan uh, maybe beating Michigan to finish uh, third in their division. And, and it's another team that I think that if you're buying stock, you, you buy stock in Michigan State. I think that they're going to be good in a few years, if they're not already. I'm uh, I'm feeling a little differently about this team entering this season than you are. The only reason, I, I do I do like the uh, idea, and I agree, that Mel Tucker is going to bring in a style of play on the defensive side of the ball where they're going to be competitive um, in most of their games on that side. You know, you look at it last year, and D'Antonio brought back the uh, the number eighth most experienced team in the country. They weren't spectacular. I think they underperformed, if anything. Bringing in Mel Tucker, losing a, uh, arguably the most legendary coach in program history up there in East Lansing, that's going to be a little bit of down a down spot just from a motivation standpoint and excitement standpoint. They do have Mel Tucker, who will bring the excitement on his end doesn't have any players that he's recruited. Um, obviously an odd scenario with him coming over from Colorado and all the, uh, you know, attention or lack thereof with him saying, I'm not going. And then him ultimately already ha- haven't signed a contract will be a little bit weird. Um, I think this team's in for a rough, rough one this year. Cause maybe that's just more of my indictment of how much I don't like Michigan this year. Well, and that's, I, I respect that. I do. I respect they're not going to lose to the bottom. I don't think they lose to the bottom half of the, of and the Michigan's division. had a tough time with Michigan state, uh, you know, in, in a few years here in the last, you know, seven to eight in this rivalry. So uh, even when you thought Michigan was going to be better, they've, you know, they struggle. It's a big rivalry game. So, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this uh, Michigan state team in the division that they're in, you know, struggle to get to 500. Wisconsin, the Badgers are likely going to be eyeing another Big Ten West championship and uh, be taking on probably Ohio State, maybe Penn State, depending on how things shake out in the Big Ten championship. Ten games last season. They won ten games, and that's not weird to say for Wisconsin. They play in a, you know, more of a down division uh than than other places but that being said the Badgers are good a couple years ago they did only go eight and five but I think that was just more of a blip on the radar uh I think Paul Chris is great uh I think the personnel underneath him is great um and they've been able to put together some really good recruiting classes I mean who wouldn't want to go play in Madison Wisconsin jump around uh, I hear it's I it's, it's all Pierce it's on my bucket list is one of the places I have to go see now I want to see as many games in these you know stadiums these cathedrals of football as I can but I have heard that one of the coolest traditions in sports if only because it's so hype is the jump around in Madison they say at the end of it you're just drenched in beer people literally buy beer so that they can slosh it around during the jump around portion of the game uh and that's just fun to see and they play fun brand of ball there in Wisconsin uh they do lose their five best players that's going to be tough for them um, you know, but I, I just don't see anybody other than Minnesota challenging Wisconsin for their side of the conference. I just, it's just how different and how big that gap has been previously. And I think will continue to be, uh, so I'm, I'm marking November 28th as a big, big week for me. That's when Wisconsin and Minnesota take place. And I think is going to, what it's going to be what decides the, uh, the championship, the conference championship from the big 10 West. I agree. Uh, losing those three key players, like you mentioned from last year's squad, including uh, Jonathan Taylor, who was, you know, 
one of the best running backs come through maybe of all time. That's that's obviously a huge blow. But this team does return a handful of starters, actually a, a more than a handful. They, they are 62 on the experience chart, uh, you know, up from 95 entering last season. Um, and that just goes to show you this team is going to be good, even though they might lose some of their, their flash and some of their sizzle. They're still going to be very well coached. They're going to be a quality football team, and I and I think you're 100 percent right. I think if uh, you know they get past one of those hurdles, uh, I think uh, it's going to be them in Minnesota, and I, I I like them to go back to the Big Ten championship for the first or for the fourth time in in five years, and and see if they can somehow pull off a crazy upset. Obviously, some interesting things to note: Jack Cohn, uh, senior quarterback. Um, Hearing good things from Graham Mertz, the freshman coming in. I think he's the most highly ranked recruit they've ever had coming in. Um, so excited to see what he can do. If he can push Jack Cohn, great. If he wins out the battle, who knows? Maybe that's what they need. So excited to see how this Wisconsin team uh, comes to fruition this year. All right, we've got two more teams to preview, and we'll go kind of quick here because I just looked up and my computer is almost dead. Uh, we've been talking a long time about this, but perhaps we're just so hungry for Big Ten football. And perhaps the only chance that Ohio State has to be upset this season is by this next team, and that is the Penn State Nittany Lions. I want to say a couple players. I know you'll probably highlight them as well, but these are biggest names in college football right now, and they're all on this one team. Mike Parsons, Pat Fryermuth, Sean Clifford. Now, they've had some big changes. They've got some new assistants, some new coordinators, uh, and that's going to be tough for them. But James Franklin is rolling in Happy Valley. Uh... They have a veteran roster coming back. Eight starters on offense, five on defense. Uh, that should help the new uh, coordinators and assistants. The past three years, they've gone 42-11, and 11, and I see nothing stopping them. I, I, am, I hate the fact that Ohio State and Penn State are playing so early in the season because that just feels like more of a Thanksgiving game to me. But with the Big Ten not having a lot of room for error as far as they have no bye weeks and the fact that they have – uh, 21-day quarantine if you test positive, that's going to hurt them. They don't have the ability to shift things around like we're seeing in other conferences. They've got to get through their games. So at least you can point to the heavyweight matchup between Ohio State and Penn State and say, hey, that that's probably the winner of our conference. If that, you know, you try to get it out of the way, I should say, because we're seeing the issues come down a couple weeks and not uh, towards the, or, or rather, the farther you get into the season, the worse. Um, so anyways, I'm just going to say right now that I like Penn State's chances and I think potentially they could upset Ohio State. I, I just I really like them. I really really like the Nittany Lions. Now that being said, I, I do think Ohio State wins the conference, but uh, Penn State is really on the upswing, uh, and I think that you've got to capitalize on this year with those big names. Yeah, if there's one team that's going to upset Ohio State this year, it's got to be Penn State. Um, this team this team brings back some some great talent. I, I do want to say I'm not sure Micah Parsons, uh, the stud linebacker. He decided to opt oh, out right. early he opted on. Out. Like I don't I said, know we're if he's, using old. I think he's somebody that might have actually already okay. engaged with an agent, so he wasn't eligible to return. Well, didn't that happen on Ohio State, though? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll it do, happened I'll do with Nico Google Collins at Michigan, yeah. where he engaged with an agent and signed him. And because he, you know, obviously went out there and did that, he became a professional. But yeah, this Penn State team last year, uh, most people thought this was the year. Going into last year, they didn't think... Oh, you're uh, correct. He has not opted back in. Not opted back in. Okay, that's a, that's a big loss. But they still are going to have talent across the board. You know, they're three deep uh, at almost every spot um, on this team, which is a, a big-time improvement from where uh, things were when James Franklin took over, obviously inheriting a, a, a program that was on probation with low scholarship numbers. They bring back, uh, you know, like I said, that their experience uh, coming back is 44th, so they're going to have a, an experienced team despite losing Micah. Uh, last year they were 123, so that puts into perspective, you know, how things are looking going into this year. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, like you said, at tight end. Um, they also have Journey Brown at the running back spot. This team is going to be, be uber, uber talented uh, as well, despite Micah Parsons' absence. Tariq Castro Fields at DB. I mean, you can name you can name a ton of players off this team. And this is uh, the best chance to uh, overtake Ohio State. I don't think that happens. I, I again, Ohio State. Uh, we'll get into it here in a sec, but 
I just think Ohio State's just uh, in a class of their own this year. I agree. They're part of the uh, the big three that I've got, Alabama, but, Clemson, and Ohio State. Then a drop-off, then Georgia. Then yeah, a drop but off, this then could Ohio, be Notre Penn Dame. State's best year under Franklin. I, I, I yeah. think that's a, a pretty – I think that's a good prediction. I, I really do think this is the most talented team he's had there. And you look at it, and he might have over, outperformed a couple seasons. So interested to see if this team could somehow figure out how to pull off that upset. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull up that pull off that upset because certainly another big reason why the Big Ten wanted to get back on the field is because it is this huge opportunity for them to potentially have the national champion and or the Heisman winner, and that's on the Ohio State football team. The Buckeyes lost last year dramatically to uh, the Clemson Tigers in their semifinal. They went 13-1 and on the season, uh, and, and I don't see any reason why they don't go undefeated in the Big Ten this season. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those situations where they are just stacked. They're really stacked. And it's in large part to Justin Fields, uh, their quarterback who potentially could win the Heisman. Uh, you know, that being said, they do lose a little bit of talent, but I just, I think that their backups will be good enough. And, and if you've got a generation, I, I, not generational talent, but if you've got a talent like Justin Fields, who could potentially then a moment put the, the team on his back, he can throw, he can run, and uh, he's got certainly a lot of leadership there and, and trust with the Buckeyes program. I really think, and they had a couple of key opt-backed ins as opposed to Penn State. Uh, so they did have some good news there. Um, I, I just I just don't see how anybody's going to stop them. Their offense is going to be one of those score-at-will type offenses, which we are seeing as the number one thing to win a national championship this year. Or not this year, but in college football now. And so I really like Ohio State uh, and, and to make the playoffs. And I like Justin Fields to be probably virtually this year, <laughs> not in New York, but uh, for the Heisman, uh, Heisman race there. So, yeah, this team uh, in Ohio State, obviously, whenever you bring back a talent like uh, Justin Fields, you, you expect to finish at the top, if not uh, the number one team in the country. I think this team has every uh, every chance to get there. This, You know, you got Justin Fields coming in last year. You knew he was going to be solid, especially in uh, Ryan Day's system. That being said, you, you know, they, they underperformed the year before, so you didn't know quite how things were going to change with the new regime change there in uh, – in Columbus as well as a new quarterback coming in. And things just were seamless. They were just perfect. Um, I, I don't think, yes, despite this team, this team, you know, yes, this team lost some some talent. They lost a, a handful of talent like Clemson and, and Notre or and uh, Alabama did. That being said, this is a team that just reloads at will. Um you know, guys all over the board that are that are studs. Obviously, Chris Olave at receiver. You got Josh Myers at center, as well as uh, other offensive linemen there. Wyatt Davis, Thayer Munford is another one. I mean, just a handful of guys. Um, don't forget, this is this is a name to keep an eye on. I think this could be a key addition this year. Trey Sermon transfer from uh, from Oklahoma. Surprised that he ended up transferring from Oklahoma, considering that, um, you know, how well they've done this the last few years. That being said, it might look like a great, great move. Um, you know, you got Sean Wade at the DB spot, opted back in. Huge gift for them. Um, Tooth Borland or Tough Borland as well. Baron Browning at the linebacker spot. Yes, his team lost a lot, but by the end of the year, some of these names that you don't know much about will be household names and, and go on to be, you know, have successful NFL careers. So, how can you root against, or how can you go against a, te- uh, a team that has a, 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 an incredible talent in Justin Fields? And and he, uh, I think with how everything's panned out this year, I think Justin Fields has every chance of winning. Um, if not my my front runner uh, moving forward, I think he'll be on a mission. Seven games obviously will be interesting to see how they judge that, but I, I fully expect this team to go undefeated and to uh, to to reach their goals this year. So excited to see how the Buckeyes play. Well, uh, we already kind of gave it away. We do think that it is going to be Ohio State ultimately coming in as victorious for the Big Ten. I have Minnesota and Ohio State in that conference championship. I like and, it. And uh, Ohio State coming ahead. And like I said, I do think Justin Fields is in the top three of Heisman voting. Unfortunately, I, I'm going to have to go with the easy answer here and go Ohio State uh, against Wisconsin. Um you know, I think fourth time in fifth or fourth time in five years, I believe the two have met in the Big Ten championship game. Maybe 2016 was different. I, I think that was actually Wisconsin and Michigan State. Yes, that it was. But so three times in the last five years, I think that uh, they go to the fourth this, the last six, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, I think uh, Wisconsin has to play a perfect game, and I think Ohio State will will skate through that one with 
skate through that one with relative ease. So Ohio State is my pick to advance out of the Big Ten. There you go. That is going to do it for our Big Ten preview. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss the episode that's coming out tomorrow, which will be our Week 8 preview, and we'll go through the games. Some of those Big Ten games will be mentioned and talked about. Really excited to break it all down. It's going to feel like more sense of normalcy to have another conference back in the mix. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share this with friends and family, and also give us a rating, a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us to grow, and it encourages us. So thank you so much if you've already done that. And uh, make sure you are on social media, going, getting, getting a little bit, uh, doing more, doing more stuff on social media, ramping that up. I will have uh, the Mimosas with Madison new episode out on Saturday, um, and, and we like to drop our picks and easy peasies and stuff like that as well. So make sure you are what or you are <laughs> subscribed to us or following us, whatever word you want to use on social media at Bragging Pod across Instagram and Twitter. That's bragging without the G. But that is going to do it for us today for the Bragging Rights Podcast. I'm Madison, and I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.